title of this morning's message is Life After Christmas. Life After Christmas. We're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 2, Life After Christmas. Now, um, I don't know about you, but during Christmas, uh, you know, my family, we can get a little loud. Uh, we can get a little crazy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of food involved in Christmas. There's a lot of uh, family, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, my cousins who uh, are in the area, you know, come and we eat together, eat some good, good food. I love my sister whips up uh, some, um, uh, some sweet potato casserole. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> Whoo! I love it. And then, uh, you know, we get to spend time with one another and a lot of gifts, you know, a lot of music, you know, just a lot of good time. And, you know, I, I just, I, you know, just thinking about, you know, uh, this past Christmas, this past Thursday, um, uh, uh, Christmas Eve, I'm sorry, we did ours on Christmas Eve. And it, it you know, it got a little crazy, you know, and uh, as it does every year, uh, because, you know, we're all looking forward to that time, you know, uh, where the kids get to open their gifts. For me, Christmas is more about my kids getting to open up their gifts and, and, and and so they begin to open their gifts and they begin to have a good time. And they're, whoa, I didn't know I was getting this. Oh, it's so awesome. And, you know, they're all flipping out. And then we as adults, were like, you know, we do a secret Santa. And so we know what we're going to get. And still we're like, whoa, that's so awesome. I had no idea, you know. And so uh, a sweater, awesome, you know. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, you know, it was a great time, a great season with our family. And it's so funny because it always ends the same exact way. You know, our tree that was once full of gifts ends up bare. You know, nothing under there. You know, our stockings that was once stuffed are now empty. Family that was all together, you know, all together, once they get their gifts and they open up their gifts, later, you know, they're gone. You know, you know, they're dispersed, they're gone, you know. Um, all we're left with is trash bags full of wrapping paper, uh, the sound of toys being played with around the house, and leftovers being put in the fridge waiting to be heaten up the next day. And we all know them leftovers are what it's about. Hey, I heard an amen. There you go, Gary. Hey, speaking facts. But, you know, this is what our Christmas season looks like every year. And, uh, you know, our house that was once decorated eventually will go back to its old normal home. And in other words, you know, life moves on. We move on with life. Things continue on, you know, life moves forward. And, uh, you know, responsibilities still need to be tended to. Expectations are still needing to be met. Um, Rules still have to be followed. Uh, children are still needing to be raised. You know, there, there are things that have to happen. And as I was thinking about this, I was, and I was preparing for it this morning, I was thinking about this, the, the, you know, this truth. And I thought about, you know, what was it like for Joseph and Mary after Jesus was born? Because that's why we celebrate Christmas, right? We celebrate Christmas and, and um, to remember uh, Jesus being born. And I imagine, you know, what was it like, you know? You know, you, know, you know, we imagine the scene of, 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 of Jesus being born. You know, it was a miraculous moment in history. There in a manger in Bethlehem, uh, the star, the North, the North Star hanging right over baby Jesus. And Jesus coming to 
earth in a very humble way. You know, the Jews at this time, they believed that the Messiah would come in a glorious, strong manner because he was the king that was coming to set up his kingdom. And it was going to take the enemies that, were, that, that once had their foot on Israel, that Israel, they were going to have the last laugh and they were going to see, look, we riding with the king. Okay, y'all, you know, y'all can't touch us. Okay, we are rolling deep. Listen, we are good. But that's not the way Jesus came. He came in a mighty and glorious way, but also in a very humble way. He came being born in a manger, in a stable. And as I'm imagining Joseph and Mary, as they are sitting there with their baby Jesus, shepherds coming to visit, magi or the wise men coming to pay homage and to pay respect to the newborn Messiah, baby Jesus. And they bring uh, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And as they spend time with Jesus, eventually they leave. And once they leave, Joseph and Mary are left with a little baby Jesus that they cannot explain how in the world They even have them in the first place. And they're left with this child that is one day going to take away the sins of the world. And they are called by God to raise him, to provide for him, to protect him. And this is where life after Christmas began for Joseph and Mary. So this is where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. So here we go. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Come on. I'll leave it at that. Cool. Hey, I appreciate y'all for just, you know, sticking with me. All right. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Here we go. Uh, It says right here, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he, and he rose, verse 15, he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. So when they left, talking about the wise men, once they left, it seems like they went to sleep or at least Joseph went to sleep because women know that men get a lot more sleep than women do after birth. So maybe it was just him. He fell asleep and the Lord spoke to him and he gave him a word. He spoke to him in his season. He told him what he needed him to do. And Joseph came up, you know, came up out of that dream and grabbed his family, took off and did exactly what God told him, went straight to Egypt. You know, life got a little serious for Joseph and Mary. Reality was setting in for them the responsibility that they had been given because indeed they had been called by God to raise, protect, provide, nurture, and raise this child. The soon coming, and actually who was already there, Messiah, that Messiah was there in their grasp. But I imagine, I can only imagine what they're thinking when they have this child in their hands and everybody is gone. How in the world am I going to raise a child? I mean, they weren't even, they had never been parents before. 
They had never raised a child. They, were, they, they had recently gotten married. You know, how were they going to do such an, you know, how were they going to accomplish what God was calling them to do? Well, I think we find ourselves in this story because God, the Bible tells us that if, we, that if we have been born again, if we have received Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, the Bible tells us that we too, like Joseph, have been called by God. God has handpicked us and, is you, and, and, and he has called us for his purpose. You see, Joseph and Mary, they weren't qualified to do what it is that God called them to do. But you know what? It didn't matter because God qualified them for what he has called them to and let me tell you, the same is true for you, and the same is true for me, that, that we may not be qualified. In fact, we are not qualified. I don't know one person in the Bible that we read that was ever qualified to do what God was asking for them to do, and yet God qualified them. God qualifies us for the call. Amen? Amen. So what has God called us to do? He has called us to be a light. And of course, each and every one of us have a role that we play in God's kingdom if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. So Joseph, he's here. How am I going to do this? Well, this is what we see what happens. Number one, God spoke to Joseph. God came into his life, interrupted him, and spoke to him. He said, now, the word says, verse 13, now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. He spoke to them. He sent an angel. An angel is a messenger of God. He was delivering the word of God to Joseph. And God came to Joseph. He spoke to him and he made him aware of the danger that baby Jesus was in. And also he gave uh, Joseph the roadmap of where he was to go and how he was to solve this. You see, God didn't lead Joseph and Mary to fend this off for themselves. Joseph had no idea that baby Jesus was even in danger. He had no idea. God spoke to him and he made him aware. You see, God, he speaks to us in our time of need, just like he did with Joseph. And not only that, but he prepared a way for him and Mary. God did not leave them in a place where they have to figure everything out on their own, but he was with them every step of the way. I found this interesting. I was doing some study on this. So, you know, I was wondering, you know, why Egypt? Why would God send Moses to Egypt? He didn't say any, he didn't just say, it, just go in a direction. He gave them a, a specific place. Well, Egypt was a well-ordered Roman province during this time and was very, it was actually close in proximity to Bethlehem. So it was a close, uh, it, was a, it was a close place to get to, but more importantly, it was also outside of Herod's jurisdiction. They were safe from his rule and reign. And not only that, but Egypt was a place that wherever they went to, in almost any city they went to, they would have found a congregation or a population of Jews just like them. Because 
uh, because it became, uh, Egypt became a place where Jews at this time, when they were under, uh, when they were under fire, they would, per, that they would flee, they would find refuge in Egypt. And so no matter where they went to, they wouldn't have felt like strangers because they found people who were just like them. I like that, that God literally went before, he had a plan for them just, he, he had it all planned out for Joseph and Mary. All Joseph had to do was to just get up and follow what God was saying. You see, just as God spoke to Joseph, God is speaking to us today. Amen? Because you know, God still speaks today. Amen? His voice, God still speaks to us today. You know, uh, you know there, there are books I, I used to read whenever I was, you know, in Bible college and that used to tell me, you know, you know that, that would say that, that God speaking was for a time, you know, with, you know, you know for the beginning early, you know, I'm sorry, for the early church. But I don't believe that. I believe that the same God that was then is the same God today. And God still speaks to us today. Come on, somebody. That's truth. And he speaks to us in many different ways, but there is a foundational way that he speaks to us, and it's through his word. God speaks to us through his word every single day. In fact, the Bible says that it is the very voice of God. God's word is his voice encapsulated. You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this about the Word. The Word of God says about the Word of God, says of itself that the Word of God is living and active. It's moving, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and attentions of the heart. The Word of God, when it, when it goes out and it hits its mark, it's alive and it brings life to the areas of our life that need to be shaked up, that need to be brought to life, and the areas of our life that are dormant, that are dead. God is wanting to speak to those areas of our life to wake it up and to make it, and to make it less like the old man and make it more like Jesus, amen? That is the power of the Word of God. It's not just a book with words that we read that's not what it is. It can be that if we limit it to it. But the Word of God has power. And it's the voice of God, and He is speaking to us even today. Now, for those of us who are parents, we all know that sometimes we don't always listen. Am I right? Amen? Uh, you know, and so God has many different ways that He speaks to us. Sometimes He'll speak through other people. You know, uh, you know, through word of knowledge, he'll give, he'll give someone, in fact, uh, I've, I've gotten plenty of words, uh, you know, from, you know, you know, here in this church, but, um, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, uh, but God is speaking to me, I guess, I don't know. Um, uh, but also, he, he speaks through shaking things up in the earth. By causing disruption, he, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to grab our attention like he has in this past year. You know, uh, God speaks to us in many different ways, including that still small voice of conviction in our heart. God has many ways that he can speak to us. But primarily and foundationally, he has made the word of God his primary way of speaking to us. It's his voice. So the word of God, in the same way that God was speaking to Joseph, God is speaking to us Today. So if we need to know what God, is, that, that, what God is wanting from us today, 
or whenever, wherever we are at in life, as we open up the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Amen? So, number one, God spoke to Joseph. Number two, Joseph obeyed God. Verse 14, it says, Joseph rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. When God spoke to Joseph, he obeyed God and did as he told him. And I love this because it says that, that he took the child and his mother by night. That it was this very same night that God spoke to him. When he woke up, he didn't wait another day. He didn't wait another week. He was like, he, 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 he got up and did what God said right then and there. Uh, and in the same way that he had, in the same way that he obeyed, there is an expectation and a responsibility on our part with the word of God for us to take that step of faith of obedience. It is a step of faith. You see, because Joseph, I believe that because he took that step, this is actually the second time in the Bible that God spoke to Joseph. The first time when he was, was whenever he was about to break it off because he found out, he was about to break it off with Mary because he found out that she was with child. But of course, Joseph spoke to him and told him what was going on. And then he said, okay, that was a step of faith. He went back to Mary and took her. It was, it, it was, it was a step of obedience, just as he is here, taking a step of obedience, doing what God told him to do. And I believe that because he did it, he was stepping into God's will for his life at that time in his life. You see, obedience keeps us in God's will. And whenever we are in God's plan and God's will for our life, guess what? He will provide for it. He will protect it. He will, go for, he will go before it. He will make a way for it because it's his plan. There's no man that can shake up or cause his plan to fail because it's God's. And because he obeyed, he was staying in the will of God. And that's what it does for us. But secondly, there's also what it does for us is there's something about taking that word and applying it to our life. That when God is speaking a word in our life and we take the word and we begin to apply it in the areas of our life that we know that are, that are infecting not just ourselves, but the people around us. The areas of our life that still look like that old man. You see, when we, it's the step of faith of obedience, when we begin to apply it, not just for one day, but continuing to move forward day by day, applying the word of God, speaking the truth over our life, planning ahead to succeed in that area of our life. What happens is the word of God transforms us. Amen. It transforms us from the inside out. It transforms our mind and changes the way that we think. That is the power of the word of God and the power of obedience. It brings change in our life. You see, the safety of baby Jesus and Mother Mary were dependent on Joseph's obedience. And I think that Joseph knew this. He knew that unless he, because God spoke to him, he spoke to Joseph. And it was Joseph's responsibility at that moment, and it all fell on him. What that tells us is that obedience, our obedience, or lack thereof, impacts the people around us. Obeying God impacts more people than just yourself. Whether we choose to do what God is telling us, to do what he is speaking into our life, or we choose not to, 
It's impacting somebody. It's changing somebody's perspective of themselves, of you, but more importantly, of God. Our obedience is vital because many times it's not just about us. It's not just about me. We're not the focal point. It's not just about us. Obeying God may not always be about you as it affects the other people in your life as well. We have to realize that when we take that step of obedience in our life, God is not only working in you, but he's working through you. Amen? Come on, somebody. I think that's good right there. Amen. Amen. So uh, God spoke to Joseph. Joseph obeyed God. And then thirdly, Joseph trusted God. He trusted him. I love this word right here. It says that in verse 15, that Joseph remained. He remained in Egypt until the death of Herod. That word remain promotes the idea that he continued on, that he kept going. He continued doing what God told him to do, that he kept moving forward. And no doubt, Joseph was continuing to be faithful where he was um, there in Egypt. He still was, he still had to fulfill his duties as a father, as a husband, to protect and to provide. No doubt that while he was there in Egypt, he kept doing everything that he was supposed to do, even though he was somewhere other than where he probably was used to being. But while he was in that season of his life, he remained where he was and he kept trusting God. You see, there are times in our life, there are seasons in our life where, where, we, where we might find ourselves somewhere and, we are, and we're looking at our life and thinking, God, why do you have me here? God, why, why is this going on? We can see the people around us, you know, you know, have or are doing the things that we want for ourselves. And we're thinking, God, how come I'm not, how come I'm not there? How come I can't do these things? Lord, what about me? But the Lord is saying, listen, I have you there for a reason. Continue doing where you are at. Because let me tell you, there is no sweeter place. There is no sweeter place than to be in the will of God. There is no better place because it's a place that we know that God is in control and we know that we can live with a peace because he is for us, he is with us, he has gone before us and he is not gonna leave us. Come on, it is the truth. There is no better place. And it's in the place of obedience and the place of God's will for our life that we can simply just trust God. We can simply just trust him. It's a place of faith, walking in faith. And the Bible tells us that, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, we can move mountains. God responds to our faith, just like he has to with everyone in the Bible. And as we trust God, that is a picture of faith. I find this interesting. Jesus, as Pastor Ron mentioned last week, he talked about how Jesus was born in 4 BC. Well, I did my own study as well, and I came to the same conclusion. Jesus was born in 4 BC. Had no idea, never even studied it before. And um, what, Joseph, what God told Joseph was to stay there until Herod passed. Well, Looking into it, historians and theologians put Herod's death to either in 4 B.C. or 1 B.C. 
But it all kind of hinged on a few things, but one primarily by, uh, by, a, um, by, by, by a man by the name of Josephus, who writes about, who recorded about a lunar eclipse, that there was a lunar eclipse before the death of Herod. There was one in 4 BC, and there was one in 1 BC. But the one in 4 BC was not one, you know, you know those ones that are like at 3 in the morning, you don't really get up to go see, and even when you look up, it's like cloudy, so you can't really see anything. It was something like that. Not a lot of people talk about that one, but it was the one in 1 BC that was full, and, that was, and that's recorded by many other people. And so with that, it's, 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 it's reasonable to believe that Herod might not have passed until 1 BC, meaning that Joseph easily could have been in Egypt for at least three years, staying where he was, continuing to do what God told him to do for three whole years. It's a long time whenever you're waiting for God to speak to you. It's a long time whenever you're somewhere where you're not used to being. But you know what? God was with them. God was working. And God had already prepared a way. And when the, and when the time was right, God was going to speak to him again. And you know what? It's the same for us right where we are in our lives. No matter where we are today, as our faith is in Christ, no matter where you are today, if you are obeying God and you are continuing to trust him, guess what? You are in the right place. And you are, and, and God, and, 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 and you, know, you know, many times we may ask, you know, you know, God, how can I be a light? Well, by simply doing, by simply living for Jesus and sharing Jesus with the people around us, the Holy Spirit does the rest. Listen, God is for you. God is with you. And God is not leaving you. That is who he is. Amen. 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 So a few takeaways for today. Number one, allow God to speak to you today. Not just today. This week. Open up the word of God and let God bring a fresh word into your life. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The Word of God transforms our hearts and transforms our mind, making us more like Christ. Number two is to step into your calling through obedience. Step into your calling through obedience. Just go ahead, take that step of faith, do what God that, that, that you know that God is speaking to you. And listen, if you're wondering if it's God or not, it's easy. His word or his voice never goes against his word. It's in line. It's in step. And so if it, you know, confirm it with a couple other people, uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, somebody that you trust in the word of God. But uh, I encourage you, take that step of faith and obedience. Your obedience or lack thereof, impacts the people around you. And then number three, remain faithful where God has you. God is in control of this thing. He's got this. He's got this. Be content with where God has you and remain faithful. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in a due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen, God is with us. He's not going to leave us, and we can trust in him. 